Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Daryl's Daring Thoughts, Melanin Edition. I have a special guest on with me today, and his name is EJ. He is actually a black police officer in the Chicagoland area. Um, so EJ, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's uh, really cool that you're doing this. So uh, yeah, let's get into it. Awesome. So EJ is still at work, you guys. So we're going to um, get started in this and honor his time. I want to thank him for doing this. This is a very important topic. Uh, and I'm reached out to him to do this. And I'm so glad he was able to fit us fit this into his schedule. So we're going to go ahead and get started. And let's just talk really quickly um about what made you really want to be you know be a police officer and how long you have been one i know you were one before 2020 but you know in 2020 has been a lot of issues with the police officers yeah. but our our issues have always been with police in our community so what made you really want to transition to this line of work Right. Uh, just just before that, I just want to let everybody know, you know, I'm on break. Uh, streets are covered, so I'm not uh, freaking out on anything that's uh, going on on the street. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be the police just because it seemed cool. It seemed like something that was fun. I watched a lot of, uh, you know, cop shows and different movies and things that really made me interested in it. But uh, as I got older, uh, I saw the climate that we were going into. I started being police um, back in 2016. Uh, so I've been police for about four years now. And, uh, you know, even then, you know, this, this problem with um, the problem with police in the black community has been prevalent. You know, a, a police uh, department was even established. So, of course, I know the history behind it. But if I really did want to do it to be that change that everyone, you know, talked about. I wanted to actually be in those positions to, you know, influence what's happening on the street level. And uh, so I, I try to encourage everyone to do the same thing where, um, you know, there's a lot of protesting going on uh, from the outside and things being done from that side for sure. But um, I just always like to think if I'm in some of these situations where there's, you know, a, a use of force that's just a little too excessive or, you know, uh, drawing your firearm over you know, a reason that doesn't seem um, to be that serious to warrant that reaction. I just think that if I'm in that situation, things go differently. And and that's really why uh, I do this job. I wanted to do it, and I continue doing it. That's awesome. So what was your family's reaction when you wanted to go into this field? Um, I know Mama probably was like, boy, what? <laughs> well, uh, like I said, since I was young, you know, I, I've always, like, my answer uh, it's always been, you know, we went to school, you can grow up, and I always was, you know, I want to be a police officer. So uh, they didn't like it. Of course, my mom, you know, she worries about me, and she calls me and talks to me all the time uh, just to make sure I'm okay. Um, but, of course, she didn't like it. You know, it's just, it, it can be dangerous out here. So, yeah, I definitely understood her reaction where they didn't really want me to do it. Um, and they were saying, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't looked at as like a job that would ever, you know, make a lot of money to do or have give me, like, a lifestyle that I would kind of, you know, enjoy. But I honestly only want to do it because of um, because of that, uh, you know, trying to give back and be in the community. And like I said, just be that change. Okay, cool. Um, I do have one more question on that topic, but I'm going to save that um, for later because I think that once we answer, okay. go through all this, then that'll be a better time right. to answer that question. Um, so when you decided to, um, when, when, like you said, you've always wanted to do this role, you always wanted to be um, a police officer and be a presence in your community. When you decided to say, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, you said uh, it was like four years ago, right? So as the time from four years to now, have you seen more of a tension build up? in the African-American communities as it is regard in, in regards to the relationship with police officers? Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I kind of directly uh, attribute it to rise in social media and the access to videos and, and people kind of being more aware. You know, social media connects everyone instantly. And, um, you know, someone with a camera phone is are the ones that are out here really, you know, 
pushing that agenda to make that change because we're people are finally seeing firsthand what black Americans have gone through uh, for a very long time with, when it deals with the police officers who aren't doing the job the right way. Um, there's definitely times where things are antagonized, um, and there are there are times where you know the tensions are kind of rising over misinformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, a lot of the things that are being called attention to are things that do need change. So uh, I definitely have felt that tension increasing, definitely. Um, and it kind of, I have people going by me, uh, you know, white little white girls and black and black kids, you know, scared of me, white girls walking around, you know, giving me the middle finger as I'm going by with that. But also with black people, you know, they, they're saying, you know, how could you do this job? How are you just a white man? You know, like lackey type thing. Um, and that's actually has increased, especially 2020 has been a very, very significant year where uh, just the tensions are just off the charts and uh, we're just trying to deal with it as best as we can. I'm, I'm getting hate from all sides and I'm not in the police uniform. I'm just, I'm just like a regular black guy walking around. So I get that type of prejudice also as a black officer being in a uniform, I'm getting it from black people as well as white people from uh, at all walks of life whenever I'm anything and that's why i wanted to ask you um how, how where how do you find balance how do you find the balance of understanding as a black as a black man i you know this is you know this is one side but i'm also you know a, you know what they call you know brother in blue and you know you're the you know um, a police officer and you have you know laws that you have to abide by as a police officer and then also as a citizen you know laws and trying to understand everyone's views like how do you find the balance in that uh well uh there's a lot of um this thing called discretion so um I'm able to make judgment calls on the street that are kind of affecting the choices that I'm making to kind of try to have a better, like a more positive outcome. Um, so it is very interesting to be in a situation where, you know, a black person has to be arrested and for something that's you no know, bona fide, you know, they've done something wrong, but they're equating it to, oh, this is just because I'm black. This is just because, uh, y'all want to see me a black man in the system type thing. And, you know, so there are legit times where, you know, you need to arrest somebody and take them to jail and process them and put them in the system. But uh, I really do try a lot to try to, you know, bounce people out of that and try to go a different route as much as I can. So um, that balance is really, it's really hard to, to make it sometimes because some people, uh, like they've been influenced to be loud and be bolstered and, kind of resist while saying they aren't resisting um, just to kind of make a scene and try to do something. But a lot of times it's legit as well. So it really is about about what you do, how you respond, and what you should do in that moment. Right. So when you have, you know, conversations, you know, with your friends that are like your non-police um, friends, um, your regular everyday friends and family, about the tensions and things like do people like are you like like one of the first people that everyone come to or want to send videos to like look what this cop did this day look what this look at this like are you in the mix with a lot of those conversations with some of your uh, family and friends well yeah i know as soon as something happens where you know it's being shown on social media involving uh officers and uh, a black suspect or just someone you know just like uh who they're interacting who is of color uh i get people who will dm me the video and ask my opinion on it or people will tag me and say yes what do you think about this now like you know things that they trying to like pretty much you know why are you in this profession type thing and like my answer is all, like a lot of times you really can't know Everything that happens there is oftentimes there is just a snippet of video that we're showing. We're seeing like an aftermath of everything that led up to it. But at the same time, you're still shown that okay, it doesn't matter what this person did. That police officer is still acting, you know, way out of their uh, zone that they should be. So uh, I get that a lot. Uh, I, I talk to friends, um, and they'll they'll say, you know, 
all I hate all the police except for except for my man's uh, EJ. You know, and it's just like, right. well, you're you're kind of perpetuating uh, something that's actually it's kind of more dangerous for me as, as kind of you know it's like a radical type of view, like you know, ask the police, you know, uh, you know, forget them, you know, death to to, uh, to police officers type thing, and that still affects me. So I try to tell them like, listen, that's not really a compliment to me um, because right. I'm still out here doing. And no matter what, I'm still going to be grouped in with police officers when they start shooting, when someone walks up to us and starts shooting. They're not going to say, oh, but that's my man, he's there right there. So I'm not going to shoot him, but I'm going to shoot everybody else. So it's, it, it, I, I just try to say, you know, that's not really a compliment to me saying, you know, F all police except for my man, he's It's just like, you know, you can support me as a police officer and still not like what's going on with the police and not, you know, saying F all them. So there needs to be changed, definitely. Right. So, man, it's, you know, it's kind of weird because me, I'm just a black man. So it's easy for me to, you know, you know, post a video and say, you know, what this cop did, this and this and this and this and have my perspective in view. But for you, I can I, it, it, it must be very difficult to be able to not really be able to express how you really want to say what you really want to say because there are so many people that you're you're trying not to like you have to worry about not offending like you don't want to say the wrong thing to offend the black community you don't want to say the wrong thing to jeopardize your job so your career and so I think that that um people don't look at it that way you know they just feel like you have as a black man you need to you automatically have to side and choose that this is the right thing to say and I think that a lot of people don't look at how that can affect you as a person as a human being in general definitely definitely uh yeah um I mean it it affects me in all types of ways uh, whether you know as a black man and as a police officer so I really do try to avoid uh controversial things because I uh, on social media, because we're getting, like, that stuff is really under scrutiny, and people are really, um, are really happy to kind of, you know, take things that you say out of context, how to run with it, or, you know, you might post something that is uh, insensitive. I know a uh, uh, officer just had, um, a chief actually just lost his job because he posted something that was, you know, racially insensitive about the looting and everything going on like that. Uh, so I, I will, I definitely speak up. Uh, when there, when I see injustice, like when the George Floyd uh, situation happened, um, I went right on my social media. You know, I, I'm a I'm a use of force instructor, I'm a firearms instructor, uh, and I'm a field training officer. So I'm I, I have a good idea of what you should and should not do involved in situations where you have to go hands on with someone and deal with them and what and you know the way that you should handle things. And I said, you know, I came right out and said, you know, this was. A tragedy, you know, it should never have happened. These officers were not trained the right way. Somebody should have stepped in. So I have no problem calling out the bad. I have no problem uh, posting about the good and everything in between. I have followers from uh, police departments, different police officers. And I have all my friends from younger all the way up. So it's um okay. So it really is um. Okay, so um, let's jump forward to now what's going on. So in the most recent months, you know, we've had, you know, the looting and the riots and um, it's ha- it's been happening all over, everywhere, um, not just here in Chicago, but it's been happening all over the country and you know, most it, it most of it started with you know George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Rayshard Brooks, and um, others. Do you understand the anger that a lot of people have with what's going on with the um, racial tension um, and handling of African Americans when it comes to conflict with law enforcement? Uh, I, I can definitely understand the frustration. It's been building up and, um, I can see why people are wanting to express themselves more and more. Um, I think a perfect storm, uh, happened where, um, 
you know, this has been happening for a while. We've had these instances on camera and everything like that. But I believe that with the COVID, with everything shut down, there was so much free time that people had to really be like, it showed like there were certain social media in, uh, interactions went way up during this COVID thing. You know, uh, people were more on, on connected on social media. So there more people were seeing this. And also more people had more time to go out and protest and try to fight for change. Yeah. And I think it was a perfect storm that flew with us because this thing happened right in the midst of when COVID first started. And um, and I think that that gave people a lot of opportunity as people were it, people already frustrated with the job market and with a lot of people were losing their jobs and it, everything was very unsafe with the economy, the COVID stuff, everything was unsure up in the air. This George Floyd thing happened. People are seeing it more. It's way more and people have the time and energy to go out and start protesting even more without the restrictions of jobs or, or the restrictions of, uh, you know, just anything that would keep them away from that. And I think that, I honestly think it's a, it's a good thing, you know, uh, protesting, uh, do it, do it right, do it the right way and, 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 and make yourselves heard and they won't be able to ignore you. So I do, I, I, I encourage it. I, I encourage anyone who's out there protesting uh, do it the right way. I, I, but I also did have a lot of people I knew that was, uh, I don't care about nothing. I'm just trying to go loot. I'm just trying to go to the Nike store and just throw a brick through and try to grab everything. So there was a, definitely a lot of different sides to it. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's 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 talk about that yeah. because um, I I agree with you with you know the protesting and all this stuff. Let's let's talk about that because there are people who aren't able to understand that they're that the protesters, the rioters, and the looters are not the same people. Right. And there are people who are bunching them together and saying that, you know, when they talk about the protest, they include in that conversation these rioters and protesters when the people who are protesting are not necessarily the same people who are doing the looting and the riots. Is that something you can agree with me about? Yeah, uh, I, I definitely think that the people who are protesting and like are legit going down there for protest reasons, they're doing a great job. You know, the, I've seen a lot of it going on, and they're they're doing amazing, and and, they, and they're really showing, they're really bringing up some great points. They're they're organized. They're it, it's it's really something amazing to see uh, that kind of uh, interaction that's going on from social media to put out. Okay, we're going to be here. We're going to do this, and we're going to do it like this. We want everyone to stay calm and make ourselves heard the way that we should through protest. Which, I mean, protest has been the way that things have changed in countries for centuries. So I, I agree with that hundred percent. The looters coming in, we had we've cut down our whole our whole uh, city, and we had just caravans of cars just riding around. Nothing, nothing to do with George Floyd, nothing with anything like that. They're literally just trying to, they were using it. This, this, this happens with any type of tragedy, yep. with anything. You're going to have people who are going to capitalize on the unrest and the chaos to try to maximize their gains. And uh, at, the, at the, uh, the risk of, you know, being detrimental to society as a whole. Like, there were the guys who hoarded, you know, they bought a lot of sand sanitizer once the COVID thing started and tried to resell it. And and so, so like I said, it's people who are going to capitalize on chaos and try to be, and try to, profit from it so that stuff i don't agree with uh i do agree with the peaceful protesting uh but i also do understand people saying you know y'all been killing us for years and y'all mad that we burned down a target who's gonna rebuild and got money to redo everything anyways and they haven't cared about us anyways i get it i hear it on both sides i understand that i just can't agree with it because i know personally people who are just using these uh chaotic times as a way to kind of uh you know be you know, go looting and everything. So I agree. Let me ask you a question because I've seen some videos, you know, they put, you know, when the protesting happens, they've shown videos of some people that are protesting and their interactions with the cops, you know, and, you know, again, like you said, sometimes we get the the last end of the video and not something that leads up to it. And I, I don't know what the cops proper response is supposed to be doing a protest or during a riot but some of the videos i've seen is like people throwing things uh throwing stuff at the cops heads or if the cops on the bikes like pushing oh did we lose them 
one if you had to take an emergency. Yeah. You have reached the voicemail. So you guys, that was weird, right? So <laughs> we lost our guest. Um, but again, he was actually at work, so we're not sure what happened. Um, he probably had to go do some, you know, law and orders type of type of work and had to just get back out, you know, get back out there. Um, but we definitely appreciate the time that he was here. And this is a great conversation that we plan to continue. So I don't feel right about moving forward without him. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to put a pin in it for this moment. And then we're going to try to get him back to finish this. And yeah we have a lot a lot more questions for him for um ej and everything was going good so far i loved everything that he said so when we get him back you guys will be able to hear more thanks hey you guys so welcome back um daryl's daring thoughts this is that was an interesting little segue there so we lost um we lost our guest for a moment but he was actually on duty and so he had to go and, you know, save him some lives and stuff as he was working. So <laughs> <laughs> we lost him, but he's actually back with us. And so we're going yeah. to just uh, finish this conversation that we were having. Um, I will say, I'm just going to be honest with the listeners. That was like a month ago, <laughs> almost a month ago, <laughs> but we're finishing it now. But a lot has yeah. happened in the world, even in that month since I've talked to you. And yeah, it's kind of cool. We kind of broke it up, and I can come back and reboot. Yeah, so it kind of worked itself out. Um, yeah. Uh, but I will say, okay, this is the last time we talked. The um, the one thing, uh, you know, there's been another killing, um, you know, of a um a black guy, um, the one that just recently happened in Philadelphia, and you know. A lot of questions have been been brought up since his um, death about the capability of law enforcement dealing with um, mental health people who are suffering from a mental health crisis in the moment. Right. And so, right. I don't know, you know, what your training is, or if there is training on that, or what do you think so i just kind of wanted to know what your input is on that or thoughts hey everyone it's daryl from daryl's daring thoughts couple questions for you do you have a black owned business do you want to be a sponsor well you've come to the right place i have a great podcast daryl's daring thoughts that you can sponsor your business on you can sponsor it for one two three episodes or maybe the entire season so if you want to sponsor your brand on my show, contact me at DarylDaresYou at gmail.com. That's Darrow, D-A-R-O, dares you at gmail.com to learn how you can be heard in multiple countries alongside a celebrity guest through my sponsoring ad package. Can't wait to hear from you. Uh, just as far as uh, like the training that we have to deal with mental patients, yeah, because, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know, you know, it seems like just from what I've been seeing that has happened, you know, and of course, I'm only I can only go about what I see in the news. And what I've been seeing is that when there's a person suffering from a mental health crisis, it seems as though you got the all, law enforcement does not is not equipped to deal with them or to not handle them. And so I don't know, you know, what you guys are equipped to deal with when it comes to mental health um, patients, but it seems like you're not. Well, um, so a lot of information that we have going into uh, like mental health episodes that someone may be having is uh, relies a lot on what the patient is calling and telling us as well. So if you ever play a game like in school where, you know, you tell one person something down at one end of the line and someone's whispering all the way down and by the time it gets to you, it's all types of, you know, you don't even know what the original message was. That sometimes kind of happens with uh, dispatch. You know, we, got, we have a complainant who's the person who is the initial caller. They'll call into our dispatch. Our dispatch relays what they're saying. There, there's about two or three people that are working together in the dispatch saying to get that message out. One person is just typing, listening in on a call, 
other person is the actual call taker who's talking to this person, trying to get information out of them. And then there's someone else relaying that information to us uh, that this came from these two other people. And then we, it's up to us to interpret it from that point to get all uh, during a high stress situation where, you know, it could be somebody threatening with knife or, you know, just someone running or doing something that's going to put themselves or someone else in danger. And we're trying to, you know, drive fast through traffic and respond and figure out what we're going to do once we get there. So a lot of that goes into play when you're, when you're going to a scene like that. It's, it's really easy to kind of sit back from a perspective of not being in that situation, but once you're in it, uh, we just had a situation where a guy was, you know, threatening suicide, and um, that, my, my sergeant really took control of it really uh, well. Had some had somebody go left lethal, another person go lethal at different uh, area, at different vantage points, so that we could handle that situation as best we could. Where our first our first um, course of action is always uh, verbal judo. We're going to talk this person down. We're going to get them to comply with us without having to use any type of force whatsoever. Uh, but we do have those tools in our belt to kind of handle that situation. So it, it just really depends on the training that a specific department is doing that's going to have, you know, that situation work like a well-oiled machine. But there is also the human factor, which is you can't predict what someone's going to do per se, uh, just in some very structured scenario during training. Um, but there is mandatory training, at least in Illinois, mandatory training that everyone has to go through uh, every month with uh, just different scenarios and different aspects of the job. Do you think there should be a universal training method, you know, that isn't just from state to state or state by state when it comes to different situations? Because, I mean, to me... You know, just because you're mentally ill in Illinois, that doesn't mean that, uh, like Philadelphia, you know, is if, if he's mentally ill, you know, why do you here have tasers and different options on your belt and different tools to use, but all they have is a gun in their holster? Like, do you think that there should be a universal um, way of handling certain situations? Uh, I mean, that, that really goes into a larger uh, argument about should things be the same from federal to state all the way down to local and uh, the short answer is a lot of governments want to be able to implement their own rules their own things they feel like people in Illinois are not going to understand what people in Montana are doing um, based on anything uh, police work all the way to you know the highest part of government so I'm not sure how that works out with just having a universal, this is what you do during this situation uh, with with training, uh, in regards to training and uh, response to situations. But yeah, I think, I think there is already uh, pretty much uh, like universal agreement on you need to, we need more training in general. That's pretty much, no, I really argue that we don't need more training. Uh, We, I, I think that no one really argues that. So, I think it's just the quality of training uh, differs vastly from department to department and from state to state, depending on the resources and things of that nature. Do you think uh, the reason I ask that question is because, you know, it does seem to uh, it does seem um, with different situations that have happened, you know, with a lot of people are saying, you know, you know, um, you know, with um, the black, you know, black people dying at a disproportionate rate, uh, rate um, by police officers than um, than whites. But we see in some states where there are, you know, are white people who are white cops who know how to handle situations. But in other states, it seems like or, you know, different other states it's like, OK, well, why did you why were you so aggressive when you didn't have to be it just it seems like i don't know if it's the quality of officers that are being recruited if there's a um psychological test that maybe needs to be done with you know officers a little bit more to see where their what their mental capacity is for handling certain situations but it just seems like in certain areas we we don't see situations escalate to a level of death 
but in everywhere else is like okay how did you how did you handle a situation so so differently that should have escalated and could have killed you or the person but in other situations where it was a simple traffic stop or oh, this person ends up dead right uh so I think that we can't really say, oh, you know, this day, this day, just based off of that one video. Like, everyone knows, okay, this happened in Philadelphia. That's the situation that happened in Minnesota. That's the situation that happened in Chicago. And, yeah, that's that's kind of what people group things um, mm-hmm. like that. But that's just one officer that made that decision in that one state. That's not really indicative of the, the police as a whole uh, in that state. But... Uh, it does sometimes raise up the, the carpet on a lot of the negative stuff that is going on in some departments. Uh, so I definitely think it's a top-down approach from that. You know, if you have the top people who are in charge of the hiring, in charge of everything that are bringing these officers in, uh, maybe they'll, people tend to hire people that they can relate to or they can, or they feel like that you know, they won't be able to work or well with. And sometimes if you have people up at top that have that negative thinking or those negative connotations towards a certain group of people, and then they hire people or that a lot of nepotism goes on as well, um, where, you know, oh, I know this person has a friend or son of a family or mine or actual family. So, so in order to change that, we need to get people in as much as possible from the ground level into those positions where, it won't be looked at as a state by state. This this state is terrible. Police in the state of this is just that's just what we see as a snippet or just one situation, and that is usually grouped onto a whole area. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think that that's unfair. Okay. Um. So I'm actually a question, and you can decline to a- answer it if you want to. But I just want to ask. Oh, okay. It sounds like a setup. Go ahead. It's not a setup. Um, okay. Do you just, you know, I just want to, you know, give you a heads up. Do you think, right, right, right. Okay. Do, you, do you think that there are white supremacists in law enforcement? Oh, uh, I'm a parent. Yeah, uh, definitely. There's, um, but I think that, you know, white supremacy was such a big thing throughout the country that there has to be that at all levels of all this stuff. So I don't I don't think that um, there's no bad you know, I was no white supremacists in anything. I think there's white supremacists that work at the local grocery store as well as in the top Congress, you know, like they're like they're everywhere. But there's also, you know, some good people that are working in all these levels too. So I think there's just a mix. There's nothing really uh controversial about that. I mean, that is just is just logical. Uh, it was. It seems like the you know police started off as a more of a white supremacist led type of group. So um, that's why there's such a big push to diversify as much as because it's always been led. And I'm not saying all white people are white supremacists, but that's kind of where it gets its roots from, and it's kind of been a male white uh, only type of field. Yeah until recently, uh, as, as recently as the 1960s, 1970s, it was, uh, was kind of rare to see anyone of color doing this type of job. So as the years progress and there's more awareness throughout the world and throughout the country in specific, as well as uh, you know, states, uh, we're getting a push to get more diversified. But yeah, there's, there's no, I think you have to be kind of in denial to say that there's no type of white supremacy going on with police. Great. Well, thank you for your honesty. I really appreciate it. I didn't know how you were going to respond to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, I, 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 I just, you know, I knew you weren't going to deny it, but I just, you know, it's, didn't know if that's something you wanted to touch on, but I appreciate your honesty. Um, do you think, oh, of do you think that um, it helps, um, like, do you, like, for instance, you, do you live in the area that you police in? Uh, I do. I live and it's a neighboring town, but uh, when I first started, um, I was living in the town that I was policing in, and I was uh, I was able to get a residence, and then I actually have a residence that I'm a landlord as well as a condo I have, so I have these different properties that, I, uh, that I've lived in and had over the years. Uh, so, uh, 
I am in the uh, neighborhood that I do police in. Okay, so that's that's great. So, do you think that that helps with your job? You know, you know the area. You may know, you know, the people or know the type of people that are in that area. Do you think that that helps you um, while you're working? Oh, definitely. I think it's uh, it's way more so. The area that I police in, I went to school. I grew up there as well. So I went through the, uh, you know, elementary, middle school, and high school uh, there. So actually, I will arrest uh, a few people that I've known before. Um, And that's what really kind of lets you know that you're doing the job well because, uh, you know, people that you encounter from those those areas, they um, they kind of give you a sense of respect as I know you're not doing this because you ass, or I know you're doing this because you know I actually did something wrong. And uh, I get a lot of people who I'll, I have to arrest or come in contact with that actually thank me just because I wasn't that type of, uh, you know, hard nose, uh, just this is how it goes, this is my, my way or the highway type uh, type policeman. So, I think I think it does help. I think uh, I'm, I work in the school in the high school as well. I do security at the uh, local high school, so okay. I know a lot of the young kids. I, I, I talk to them a lot. I see them walking around at school. In school, uh, they'll come and tell me information while I'm at the school about some stuff going on in the school or outside the school. So I've been able to uh, really connect with that and uh, do some good things. So it, I think it's I think it helps tremendously when you're actually a part of that community. Um, but there is there is a negative side to it. I see somebody who had a very uh, hard time with me arresting them, and I was in the grocery store with my daughter, and I saw that person, and I knew that uh, he didn't like me particularly, and he had actually made some threats that he might want to do something to get uh-huh. so, Yeah, so so, so it's, it's double sided. You know, you you're in that community. Um, but at the same time, you're in that community that you're arresting people and affecting their not, their lives negatively as well. So I do I do think the pros outweigh the cons, but they definitely are cons. That's good. Like I I I never thought of it that way. That's actually good to know because I do think that you know it helps sometimes when you are in that community because you understand people and i do think sometimes when you know you know people um like we know when our white cops police areas that they're not they don't live in certain things that they respond to may not be the the necessary you know probably the best way to respond to the situation than someone who lives there and understands the community and the people in it but i can definitely see how also that can be a safety concern for you as well if you do come across a random person that you arrested at a at at a grocery store especially when you're with your family and you know they may know where you live so i think that that also is also can be a concern as well so yeah um one um one thing i wanted to ask you is i know that you've been hearing it's been really big in the political climate that we're in right now with um defunding the police and dismantling the police and you yeah, know yeah, people yeah. you know <laughs> why you say it like that oh yeah because it's a, it's a hot it's a hot topic so yeah i know all about it <laughs> it's, it's, yeah it's a really hot topic and you know it started you know this summer and everything so what are your thoughts on that <laughs> uh so oh 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 um my thoughts are, uh, you know, I'm kind of split because it, I'm not still with the funding code. The actual um, people who are logical about it that say, you know, actually defund the police as, and take some of the resources that we have and put it towards the education or put it towards some social workers that can go and, you know, maybe handle some certain things or give it, put it towards a dog catcher so I'm, I'm not responding to dog calls. Like, you know, like, I'm I'm fine with that, but there's a there's a radical one that that defund the police means abolish the police, and they and that and that's not that's not the same thing. But some people defund in different ways that use means abolish. Some people actually need defund, and some people mean abolish. I don't I don't agree with uh I don't agree with the abolish part of it. I agree with defund in the sense of 
we have we we get a lot of a lot of a lot of money for a lot of equipment, a lot of things like that. But everyone can't have it two ways. They want us to have more training but less money to do it. So it has to be uh uh, uh it has to be a, a conversation that people at the top have with the local residents, with with uh, community leaders. We can come up with a situation that benefits everyone and gives everyone their goals that they want to achieve. Do you think it's logical? Like, do you truly think it's logical for a social worker to just be called, like, if there was a different digit or a different number for social workers or different or, or different people with different trainings? Do you think it's logical to send a social worker just to a scene where there's a person having a mental health episode or maybe um, a, dem- a, a, a slightly domestic situation. Do you think it's logical to send those individuals out without a police officer with them? Uh, no, I don't think that that's uh, smart. I mean, I think if these social workers want to be brave like that and <laughs> somebody's trying to get the police, somebody's trying to get the police to come somewhere and Oh, don't, first off, the domestic a domestic situation that we respond to is one of the most dangerous situations that a police officer can respond to because it's supercharged with emotions, with the with family stuff, with uh, with just some deep deep stuff that that police you know we we wear the we wear the gear and we have that type of training to go and handle the situation. A social worker going to a situation like that. We still gonna be calling for us after that. Once they can't talk to these people because these people are trying to kill each other because they found somebody something in somebody's phone or something like. Right. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we can't even get through the people and the threat of going to jail or something gonna stop somebody from trying to kill somebody right there or trying to do something negative at that point. So, social workers uh, in of itself, a lot of situ- a lot of domestic situations go to. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe a social worker could be there as assistance, but usually once we get called to a house for domestic it's it's past the social worker part of it. Now it's right. a, we have to go we have to go there, we have to restore order or someone's going to jail. And a social worker is not like like I said, social worker could be there for assistance maybe and after we secure the scene then like, okay, we have them separated, now you come and maybe talk to them. Um but uh, just them going by themselves as a separate incident, like no, because you're still going to be called to regardless after maybe. Right. Um. I mean, I personally, I I mean, I agree. Um. I think in my eyes, the whole defunding the police or I think it should be more educational for the police. I personally, I I feel like having a whole separate department or a whole separate line of something is just is just I don't think it would work because then you have to you have to make sure you protect the social worker because you have to you know, right you that's another to, person that's another person yeah. that's there so I honestly personally think that you know the education and training is what needs to happen with the current police officers we have I think that there needs to be a better vetting process um, for police okay. officers and I think that mm-hmm. you know I don't get the whole thing where people can go from department to department and you know you know once we hear you know we hear that this person had a record of doing this type of things to different people in the community but they were able to go to a whole nother state and get hired and now they're a police officer there because their record was sealed and they didn't see that and just certain things like that like i think that the vetting process and the the mental health um things with different officers i just think all of that if all of that is fixed i truly believe that the police officer can be the person to defuse the situation as well as respond correctly in the situation but i think that it just needs to be dealt better with the vetting process because i do see there are some officers i see is like okay you look very trigger happy you were scared shaking in your boots and you know like the sandra bland incidents for um situation from once it was she was combative with, with the officer. Don't get me wrong, but 
he was extremely highly irritated and angry and did not defuse the situation and I personally feel like police officers in my opinion are supposed to come in and make calm the situation diffuse it in any way possible and not heighten it and sometimes I don't see that and I think that that comes from a training aspect of situations and not just a you know you know can you can you be hired you know it's like it's like the instance of cna workers and teachers like getting people who actually want to be a person of service and not someone who wants to do it just because they want a job they actually care about what they're doing i feel like that there are so many you know younger officers that don't have the mental capacity that you have that just come in and when they're put in that stressful situation they stressed out and it's like come on you you the officer i need you to have a little bit more calmness to you because now you're gonna stress me the hell out so (laughs) that's the that's i just think that there needs to be better vetting and a better better training for officers and i think that with that we will be able to We'll, we'll be able to see a different turnout in different situations. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I think that, that the situation of a better vetting process has to come from a legal standpoint as well. Like, it's, like there's there's certain protections that protect anyone applying to a job where they can't be denied of a job based on you know certain things and like that. So if a lot a lot of people can make it through. A police process if they have you know a clean record if they don't have you know first off you gotta test high then um you gotta have the physical requirements which aren't that strenuous honestly uh so you get past uh, the test part of that um you gotta just be logical answer some questions that a board asks you and then you gotta pass a background test you, know, you gotta pass polygraph test you gotta pass a psychological test a lot of people can do those things, but that does not mean that they should be the police. But legally, if there's nothing that bars this person from being uh, considered to be hired on this list, like, like a lot of this has been tried and tested in court where there are specific guidelines for how you can and cannot uh, deny someone a job if they make it on this list test high enough. And they come down to number one, I'm to number three, and you're going down that list to hire somebody. There's not something that specifically stands out, then the job offer must be provided to this person. So it's just mm-hmm. a lot of legal stuff that goes behind it. It's not just a, oh, we just letting anybody into this. It's, we put out, we, we put it out there that we're hiring, we put the application out there, they put out the application and made it through this process. Now, if they, Get denied, then there has to be a reason for it. There's no reason they can sue and say, well, I was discriminated against. I don't know why I wasn't hired for this job, but you talk it in, you know that they don't need to be the police. You see them, mm. look at them, they look like they be, they look like they shake as soon as somebody starts yelling at them. But you can't just say, oh, no, you can't be the police. Uh, so it, it, it gets tricky. Uh, I mean, people have been denied before for jobs based on a lot less though. So it just depends on what what kind of stand you want to take against this. Uh but for the most part, a lot of legal stuff bars you from just denying people a job. It's it's, 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 it's a job. And there's certain legal protection for this job. Wow. Wow. That's I didn't know all that. So I have one last question for you. Um, This episode is actually being recorded before the election, but it's going to air after the election. But I did want to ask you uh, one question. Have you been um, while working or have been told by your superiors to be prepared for, you know, civil unrest of any kind after the election? Is that something that you are preparing for or is that something that you are like, Waiting or knowing it's going to come. I mean, uh, there there hasn't been anything uh, specifically uh, put out, but you know, there, there's talk. Everyone is very in tune with what's going on in the country right now. So of course, there's you know, talks and murmurs here and there about you know what's going to happen with this, this, and that. But uh, but right now, we're, we're kind of playing it by ear. We don't. We we. I, I feel like 
media is kind of perpetuating it. And then, oh, let's talk about it now. Where, oh, now more and more people are going to want, feel like that, oh, this is what is expected of me to do. Right. Like, I, guess, I guess I'm expected to do this. I mean, I wasn't thinking about it like that, but I mean, yeah, hard. I guess if my guy, my guy loses, I guess I will, you know, go do something. You know, I feel like that because that's what's being pushed right now. So, uh, I, I, I want to have faith in, 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 in our, in our people out here in uh, in our American citizens where they won't jump to civil unrest over, over this, but I don't know, man. History, history mm. says that, uh, you know, that this is how things get changed in America is by civil unrest. I'm so, about to say, like you walking, you sure yeah. walking by faith. I don't have, <laughs> I definitely don't have faith in them. <laughs> Listen, listen, I, I, I get it. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Well, I, we're just going to have to see. Talk, talk to me after, after the election. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check it. We can revisit what happened. Right. right. Well, I want to thank you for um, coming on and having this serious conversation with me. Um, it's great. I do think that everyone needs to hear, you know, the side of the stories from an officer, especially someone, um, an officer of color. Um, and, you know, I think that you're, you have a lot going on with, from people and also your coworkers. So I commend you, um, for everything that you do. Thank you for your service. And so I do want to thank you. And I just want to say, we truly appreciate you from coming on and being a guest. I appreciate y'all having me for real, man. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much. And you guys, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next week. To follow me on social media, you can go to Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, it's Cordero underscore Santiago. Follow me on Instagram to just stay in touch with everything I'll talk about. I'll update you on um, the upcoming episodes and things to look forward to. I'm so excited that I have an email address now for you guys to send me requests for topics any questions you have regarding a topic that I've already discussed or if you just want to vent about something that's going on in your life that you want me to talk about on an episode I have an email address for you to do all of those things the email is darrowdaresyou at gmail.com so I'll spell that for you darrow d-a-r-o d-a-r-e s-u darrowdaresyou at gmail.com send me an email